Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to If Plants Could Talk. This is Garrett. I'm your host. This conversation took place on March 5th, 2023, with my very special guest, Kak Tucson. Jim joined me virtually today from his home in Tucson, Arizona. He is a collector of cacti, mostly columnar. He loves Trichocereus. I think that's what he said got him started, but also has a variety of different types of plants in his collection. Jim is an awesome friend of mine. We've been developing a friendship over Instagram for the last year or so, probably. And I would say that he's actually become kind of part of my support network. And uh, I remember like the first time I talked to Jim, we had never really even spoken and I was in the middle of a crisis and he stayed on the phone with me for like an hour plus. So uh, Jim is super awesome and I'm really grateful to have been able to have him on the show today. It feels really good to be back. I haven't podcasted since November and uh, we did end up having connection issues, but it's an improvement from the setup I had before. I still got to work out some kinks. I got to move it around. Thankfully, I can move my internet around this little dish and uh, find the best spot and I haven't gotten there yet, but I will clean this up to the best of my ability. Hopefully you guys won't even notice. And uh, I want to take a moment to tell you guys about my sponsors. If you scroll down into the description of this episode, you will find links to Mezcala Nursery located in Long Beach, California, Green Touch Nursery located in Bellflower, California. Big shout out to Plantly.io. You can type in Plantly.io into your web browser or download the free Plantly app on Android or iOS. If you are interested in becoming a vendor, I have provided a link for you to do so down there in the description. Scroll down, click the link, become a vendor. Also, Real Mushrooms is a mushroom supplement company offering extracts in both powder and capsule form. You can use my link if plants could talk at checkout or just Wait, you could use my code if plants could talk at checkout or just click the link in the description of this episode and you will get 10% off all orders. That's it. Okay, here's Jim. We're going to start then. All right. Hi, Jim. Welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you. Good to be here, man. How are you? I am fantastic now that I'm here with you, man. This is the first episode in probably four months. I don't know, since November. So, and yes. the fact that it's working too, it's just the blessing and it's raining. My Wi-Fi used to not work when it was raining. It's working great. So you're on, you. the, you're on the new satellite connection, the Starlink. Yeah. Thank you, Elon Musk, as controversial as he may be. I'm a fan. There you go. Man. There you go. Glad you're back in business. Yeah. I'm glad to be here with CAC Tucson. I would assume that means that you're speaking to me from Tucson, Arizona. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I thought it was super clever when I came up with it, and then it was supposed to be temporary, and then I got lazy, and now it's just, now I'm stuck with it. Nice, man. Are you born and raised in Tucson? Born in Modesto, California. Oh, but wow. I've been in Tucson since I was like five months old. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Nice, man. And my, I, I tell everybody I was born and raised here, though. Usually. We had a glitch for a moment, but we're back. So... Coming up in Tucson, I imagine you were surrounded by cactus, were a pretty normal thing to see. Yeah, yeah. And uh, for the better part of 35 years, I hated cactus. Did you? Yeah. Got lots of stories of... Actually, probably my worst story is when I was like six years old, I was on a bike ride with my dad, and I went into a big patch of choya. <laughs> and my mom and dad... 
my mom and dad had to uh, spend about four or five hours pulling needles out of me. Oh my God. Dude, I've seen videos of that, but I don't think I've ever spoken to anyone that it's actually happened. Dude, it's just like that Instagram <laughs> or whatever video, that viral video of that bicyclist that was in a race that, that tore off into a patch trail, just like that. Dude, I put my hand in one one time and got like 10 little stingers. So I can't imagine <laughs> with your like full force of your body going into that thing. That's yeah, it's probably very traumatizing. It probably explains a lot. I can see why you did, <laughs> why you hated cactus. That makes sense. Yeah. All the uh, all the opuntias grow grow very uh, uh they're very prolific out here. And uh yeah, yeah, it's not a not a day out here that you don't get glockids in your hands. Nice, man. And so it took 35 years for you to to get into cactus. I don't want to jump ahead too far if there's more to explore, um, but I am curious. So did you first notice those plants? Like, when did you start appreciating plants? When did it, how did it evolve into hating hatred into maybe appreciation? And then eventually we can go to collection. But I know, I know you told me about a story yesterday that brought you to cactus. I don't know. Where do you want to go from here? You want to go there? Well, my mom always had plants um, and she always tried to get me plants and get me into gardening. Um, but I didn't really get fully into gardening until about eight years ago. Mm -hmm. um, I quit drinking. I used to drink a lot. Mm -hmm. And um, a couple of years after that, I had a, um, I don't know. I had a very strange dream in which I was petting a cactus and I was giggling wow. and I woke up in the morning and I was giggling when I woke up and I, oh okay that was that was pretty pretty strange but the remainder of the day I was in a really really good mood and I kept thinking about that and just laughing how stupid and silly that was and later that night I was watching a documentary on Joe Cactus and uh as soon as that sucker popped up um I I immediately went holy shit, that, that is the cactus that I was had a dream of. And I was petting that cactus. And so a couple of weeks later, I bought my first San Pedro. And, and then I fell into a huge collection after that. And that's kind of where it started. What a trip, man. That's bizarre. But I believe it to be true. That's awesome. Uh, it's like you were called called to them. And I don't know. Or it's just a weird coincidence. One of the yeah. <laughs> Now, prior to, so eventually the plants became a part of your recovery, I would imagine, and I've heard you say, and, um, but prior to that, you, what were you doing to, to kind of stay sober and how were you maintaining that for those first couple of years before you turned to cactus? Well, I, as many people who aren't, uh, or who are alcoholics or, or substance abuse you know i've got particular character traits that make me uh kind of lean towards addictive behavior mm. um and so i just took that addictive behavior towards alcohol and i just shifted it to other healthier things um and my particular one my particular preference is long distance running and so i did that for um i was always a runner but i did it really hard for about four years three years something like that and then I got injured significantly and uh, that ended my running and I 
needed something new and that's when cactus just kind of popped up into my my life or gardening you tore your achilles tendon right that's correct yeah yeah i would say that's a significant injury <laughs> yeah it was, it was a bummer it was a bummer it, uh, uh, there's nothing like an injury like that to make you feel old immediately so mm. it was very it was, a, it was a shocker for sure now was it mostly probably because you just running so much like yeah i was wear and tear yeah didn't know my limits thought i was invincible yeah sounds like addictive behavior (laughs) oh man that's 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 uh intense and how long of a recovery was that oh it still is to be honest i mean i still have to nurse it a little bit i have to do daily i do daily exercises to try to keep it loose very very painful but uh it it started to get me back to normal pretty quick. Mm, mm. And so you did you use utilize any other type of like community resources or did you just you know turn to the running? Was there anything else? Did you ever do like AA or anything like that? Um, I did not. So years and years ago, um, I kind of dabbled with AA uh, mainly out of curiosity. Um, I've always been fascinated with. I've always been fascinated with people who are addicted to things, and I've always been fascinated with with ways to break that up. Um, so I just did it out of curiosity, but it, I realized very quickly that that wasn't a route that I particularly wanted to take. Um, yeah, so so no, no, I basically just quit, and and I leaned really hard on my family and friends. Yeah, at that time. Well, I wholeheartedly respect that, man. Um... I could see how how AA could actually really be beneficial for someone that doesn't have a family to lean on or maybe doesn't have the greatest support network and then you can build one in that group. And I had a similar experience, but I, I kind of dove into it head first because my treatment center I went to uh, forced us to do seven AA meetings a week. And it wasn't particularly my favorite way to be brought into something considering I like to control things, but uh, I did it and I, I did the whole sponsor thing. I got sponsees eventually relapsed which had nothing to do with aa but uh i totally respect that program and i'm not real familiar with it but it's not really my thing either there's various reasons that we've talked about on the podcast before like sitting around and talking about everything that happened over and over again every day um just rehashing it all the time is not particularly my favorite way to deal with it and um i don't know politics of it there's a lot of reasons perhaps even uh it's like rigid. I feel like the ideology is pretty rigid. It's like recovery is very black and white there. Um, how open are you to talking about uh, ceremonial medicinal things? Have you, have you done any of that? Um, oh, oh, to, to back up, uh, just to stay on the, the AA thing super quick, thinking of, of what you've done is very, beneficial as, as just kind of a kick in the ass to get going or to, to, to get sober. But I think afterwards, I think dwelling on those negative experiences can have the opposite effect. I'm, I'm sure it's beneficial for a lot of people, but uh, yeah, that's particularly why I didn't uh, enjoy it too much. Um, I, agree. I agree with that. I'm, I'm, I've never really practiced anything ceremoniously. Um, I don't know. I suppose my my outlook on uh, 
sacred plants, medicinal plants is it might be slightly different than a lot of people that are in that space. No, I have, I have not done anything that's uh, like ceremonious. Yeah. But have you utilized any of that? I have. Yeah. Yeah. With great success. And, and actually they're um, mushrooms in particular, which uh, I don't, I don't dabble in any, anymore, but uh, those were the single biggest factor to why I quit drinking. Nice. You know, yeah, you're not they, the first person to say that here. That's cool. I, it wasn't even on my radar. Mm-hmm. And then um, I was out in the mountains and I had a, uh, I had a very hellish journey. Uh, basically, they just put this idea front and center in my mind that I needed to make a change and be a better person. And that the way, the way I was living was not going to cut it anymore. And uh, I needed to do, be- do better. And they, and they didn't, they didn't say it nicely. It was very cruel. <laughs> did you have maybe perhaps like visions of of things that you did kind of they have a way of showing you uh all the things that you don't necessarily want to look at whether it be metaphorically sometimes directly (laughs) um yeah uh, not not visions of what i did but visions of who i was Mm. in light of that um i don't know it's been such a long time since i've thought about those days um and part partly is that i don't remember a lot of it because i i was just genuinely out of control you know Mm -hmm. yeah man i relate yeah well i mean a lot of lost time and it's nice to uh to be back and and level-headed and clear and like focused on on what matters you know i know you got a family that's a a big big motivator for me for sure I'm, i don't think if i if i didn't have kids i don't think i would have ever made it out of that and uh, you know a lot of people say like oh how could you i've heard people say things like if i had kids i would i wouldn't have ever became an addict and it, it doesn't work like that you know <laughs> nobody chooses uh to be an addict but um you know today I, i'm super grateful I, I just took like nine months uh last sunday so you know i had a pretty nasty relapse recently and uh i was on and off for like six months after almost three years i had three years sober and then i went out for about six months and i had a very public relapse at that i I decided it was a good idea to go on the air um (laughs) and do podcasts with people that i respect and that i care for and you know that are respected members of this community and and i felt like i'm in a fool of myself so it was uh it was a pretty harsh reality check to to have such a public relapse, you know. Um, look, looking back on that, congratulations, by the way, for for Thank your nine you. months, freaking awesome. Um, do you? Uh, how do you feel about that now? Looking back on it, that that was you know, nine months ago. Do you feel like the the publicity of it was a was a benefit? Do you think it helped helped you at all? Absolutely. Because the pressure, I wanted to get back to this. This has become such a big part of my life and uh, has really given me a lot of purpose. And And I wanted to get back to this so badly. And I mean, I, ne- I guess I, I kind of never steered away from it, um, even though I was using. I uh, But it was a push that I needed to, to stop because I was feeling very embarrassed and ashamed. And I, I don't 
like to disrespect people in this day and age. And, uh, you know, I also felt like I was kind of throwing my platform off a cliff and um, just pretty reckless. So, yeah, I, it, it was a big contributing factor in me getting clean again was the podcast and, of course, other things too. But uh, seeing myself like that, going back and reviewing it, I can't watch it today. There's no way I'll, I'll probably delete it if I take a look at it now. But um, what it made me do is it made me take a big step back. And so when I got clean, I just stopped podcasting altogether. And I took like a big break and kind of went inward and went back to the plants and, uh, you know, spent a lot of time with my family. So these last nine months have been really like revolutionary for me. I, I feel like it needed to happen. I've had like a lot of a lot of big changes, you know, and it gave me the push to move. I drastically changed almost everything in my life, you know, and uh, quit my job, moved out of my house that I was in for seven years, and have started like a whole new life. And uh, that's it's what I needed for sure. Good for you, man. Good for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um. Okay, enough of this recovery stuff. So you 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 turned into the plants. You you had this dream, you saw the cactus and uh you were pretty uh you had spent some time already sober by that point, right? You were like a couple years into your sobriety and you started yeah, collecting collecting 4 plants. years. 4 yeah. years. Yeah, 3 4 years. I can't remember. It's all haze. What did it start with? What kind of cactus did you get? San Pedro. Those are my favorite. So nice. whether it's Pachinoy or uh, or DCI or Peruvianus. Anus? Peruvianus? Peruvianus. <laughs> I got one in. <laughs> you flipped it in. You Jim said no in. anus jokes, but I got one. Yeah, That's man, cool, those, are, man. Those, are, those are definitely my favorite. Um, there's multiple reasons for why I, I like growing them, but they're definitely my favorite. Yeah. Well, what do you think drew you to them? I don't know, man. Well, well just, I mean, to be blunt, I mean, the psychedelic nature of them was yes. what drew me in. That, that is what drew me in, for sure. And then the more I grew them, the more I just became fascinated with how they look like. Like right now, my um, everything's opening back up since spring's on its way, um, and they all just they glow this beautiful like nuclear, like slimer green, you know, at the at the tips, and it's just they're just gorgeous, gorgeous, and the flowers are gorgeous. Yes, I love when they're like they got that really deep blue glaucous hue, and then when the new growth is coming in, it like kind of uh, it's like a gradient into that light green that you were talking about. It has that new yeah. growth right on the tip. I love that. I'm actually starting to see some new growth now. And they, and they don't have glockids. I like that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and they can take lots of water or no water. They, they're just, they're very resilient. They don't rot yeah, too man. much. Yeah. You know, uh, columnar are not like the most popular uh, sector in the plant community. And I, that's what drew me in too. I love them. And for whatever reason, they don't. I feel like they don't get the love that that they they should have. <laughs> well, you know, like I feel like the cactus community is this weird crossroads where you have like 
you have some plant nerds that are just super into different species and different mutations. And then you have like the, the psychedelic community and they all kind of just meet in this big smorgasbord of a cactus community. Yeah. Um, I always thought that that was kind of neat, but in particular, you know, I, I, I really like Lophophoras. Um, yes. And those things are, are just super endangered. And I feel like as the, uh, as the, the landscape of psychedelics changes in our country over the next 10, 15 years and things become a little more legal, a little more legal there. Um, those are going to become even more endangered as people yeah. seek them out. And so by growing um, Trexerius or Echinopsis or whatever it is, um, you know, that may kind of offset, uh, offset the uh, endangerment of Lophophora, you know, yeah, it's a fantastic alternative. And if I were to choose between the two plants and using them ceremoniously or medicinally out of my own collection, I'm not going to kill a loaf. <laughs> I have no problem cutting a foot of my my San Pedro cactus, you know, because they grow one to two feet per year. So it's like no big deal, right? Much more mm -hmm. sustainable. And uh, I don't know, there's something I've always been more drawn to the San Pedro for some reason. I don't know. When I was like a teenager, I started googling them and uh i don't know how i heard about it i think i saw it on on the internet or something and never really got one until a few years ago but uh there you are it is i was saying you don't strike me as the type of person that is super nerdy about names and cultivars maybe am i getting that right i'm a nerd but not that big of a nerd yeah so you just no, love I... collecting them and growing them i i i, I do remember a lot of them for sure like right. if I have friends over looking at my collection, I can't help but be like, oh, this is blah, 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 this is blah, blah, blah. But if, I, if you get me in a room full of other plant nerds, I will be the dumbest person in the room. <laughs> me too, man. Me too. Yeah. I don't know. There's just something. I just like plants, man. I don't care if they're in a nice pot. I don't care if they look pretty. You know, I just like them. I like them being around. I like watching them grow. Um, some of my pots have burn holes in them <laughs> from, yeah. from putting yeah. sage, smoldering sage into the pot, thinking that that's a good place to put it. <laughs> and then it like melts a hole in the side of my pot. So It's a good place for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, maybe as long as it's away from the plastic. <laughs> yeah, no, I... Uh... You know, what's funny is when I first started growing plants, I was, I was super obsessive, right? And I, I would, I would obsess over every little thing and I'd worry about every little thing. And, uh, I killed a whole bunch of plants and killing plants is probably the best thing to do to learn how to grow plants. Right. Yes. Um, and I think that's probably like a little, the weird little life lessons that you learn from gardening. That's probably my favorite one is that uh, is to not try to control them so much. Just let them do their thing. Some of them will die and that's okay. But if you're just approaching it from a place of love rather than fear of them dying, mm -hmm. like you'll have, you'll have a much better shot and a much happier garden. You know, you're absolutely right. I learned that too. And like the, when I neglect my plants, I I'm I tend to be more amazed <laughs> at how well they're doing than when I'm like super on it, you know. Mm -hmm. 
there's certain things that like I got to give a little more focus to like seedlings and stuff like that that I'm doing now but even then like uh yeah the less I pay attention to them the better they do and uh, I imagine you're learning a lot facing elements with certain species of cactus and different uh types like right growing in Tucson yeah I learned that I'm a terrible plant dad I learned that <laughs> we had a we had a nice big snowstorm well for Tucson snowstorm it's a, more like a uh, maybe a snow flurry is that common um, yeah yeah it's we get at least one decent snow a year probably but it's not like it's not like other parts of the country. Um, we might get like two inches or half an inch or something. So if it sticks, then everybody in Tucson loses their mind. Like, oh my gosh, it's no. Everybody else would be like, you guys are idiots. Um, but yeah, I uh, I got home from work at like seven o'clock at night. It was windy. It was rainy. Uh, and I just kind of looked at all my plants and went, well, you guys are on your own. <laughs> and then apparently it started snowing at 11 and I woke up the next morning at four thinking I might be able to do something about it. And I got out there and uh, everything was just covered. And I went, well, I guess we'll see what happens. So knock on wood, fingers crossed. Hopefully everything I'll, I'll, I'll find out next week. How, how many die? Yeah. I feel like the trichos tend to, to be able to handle it. Well, especially if you have them acclimated and they've lived there for now several seasons or whatever you know um yeah all of mine are outside so yeah. they just go through the sun and go through the cold and you know um desert uh, uh desert weather is very uh, uh well it's very up and down right so there's like a 30 degree temperature swing um mm. every day yeah typically and i found some plants don't i think i think that temperature swing has an effect on some some plants but um uh, yeah, most of the trikes don't don't seem to mind. Yeah, yeah, I've killed several plants since moving here because uh, we get deck frost. I was telling you yesterday, and for some reason there'll just be like a layer of frost on everything, and like any water that's around turns into ice. And the trichos haven't I haven't killed a single trichos. I had one rot, um, but I was able to save it. And I think part of the shock that what that I experienced was that I moved from like you know sunny SoCal to the mountains. And uh, it was too fast of a change for them. They were used to being in a hoop house, one, so they never got rained on. I had to have hand water. And now suddenly they're getting dumped on and frozen at nighttime. So I killed a shitload of plants, dude. And uh, a lot of my house plants are dying. And I'm devastated because you know one of them was my grandma's plant. I killed it. <laughs> oh, bummer. Did you notice if... Uh... Did you notice on a smaller scale if if you went through a similar change when you moved up there? Yes. I've just gotten to the point where I feel like I'm acclimated. Literally, like, this past week has been different. I don't know. Um, as we're transitioning into spring, perhaps, is what it is. We've had some sunnier days. We've also had some crazy rains and flooding. But, like, at first, it was kind of dramatic. Um, we had, like, some – we were coming out of some drama – um uh, personal issues and then uh things kind of settled down and we got we don't have central heating we have like space heaters and it's fucking cold so we had to get used to that and we learned the hard way like with a big power bill that oh we can't run them all three of them at night all night <laughs> uh, 
like you know all these little things and it was like drama kind of you know butting heads a little bit adjusting we're in a much smaller space but i've come to now we're a bigger a bigger outdoor space though much bigger outdoor space yes um yeah so i've gotten rid of a lot of material shit and kind of like gone back to basics and uh start out like foraging food growing food foraging mushrooms and yeah i feel like i'm kind of blossoming right now like at first it was like kind of we were buried and now it's like we've sprouted and we're kind of pushing in our roots into this area now and getting used to it so it's nice man and the commute and stuff and all that too is different so it's a big change but um exactly what i needed man and uh or driving or not being able to drive through a flash flood that was probably a little different for you yeah it was a little traumatic honestly like my lady got stranded in a flood and like people were getting water rescued (laughs) i've never experienced anything like that in my life and like i couldn't i got i was driving there's two ways to my house right i drove one the one the back way up and i got one mile from her where she was stranded in a flood and the fucking fire department turned me around. They're like, nope, you can't. You can't go in. And I was like, fuck, dude. And I like wished I had a snorkel on my car at the time because I would have just said, fuck you guys, and punched it. <laughs> uh, I had to go all the way around. <laughs> yeah, that's terrifying. I've, I've been caught in a flash flood before. Have yeah. you? Yep, yep. It's, it's scary, man. Water's yeah. no joke. It's a little more fairly common for you, right? You guys get like torrential rains. Yep, every year we get flash floods. It's, that's what that's what we do over here. Uh, Tucson is surrounded by mountains all around, right? Uh-huh. Um, I live particularly close to two of those mountain ranges, and yeah, when it when it rains, you gotta always always be aware of where the washes are and like where you are in respect to where you gotta go. You know? Yeah, yeah. We spent a lot of time hunkering down. Like you can't go anywhere. <laughs> you know. And similar, I guess, to the pandemic. How did you deal with the pandemic? Did it did it change your life at all? Honestly, uh, aside from the fact that I got divorced, um, everything else was freaking amazing. I had a I had a great pandemic. <laughs> Me too, actually. No, I I feel so guilty saying that because I know a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I know. I had kind of like a an ass backwards experience from everybody else. I I worked from home for four years uh, and then the pandemic hit and I was already working from home and I was like, oh, well, nothing changes for me. This is fine. And then uh, in September of 2020, September, um, I decided to go back to work. Um, I'm a plumber, a plumber slash electrician. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I went from working at home and being in this like little safe bubble to uh, being out and about and working at all sorts of people's houses and getting to see all these different perspectives from different people, you know, Mm. uh, ranging from people who were terrified to people who didn't care, people who were super selfish and wanted us to wear masks and stuff inside their home, but they weren't wearing masks. And Mm. uh, very quickly, uh, I just realized I didn't have time to be worried about it. You know, if, if you work in construction, you're, you're more worried about stuff that's within your control. You know, like if, if I'm grinding cast iron, I don't want to breathe that in, you know, if, right. I, if I'm on an extension ladder with a big old piece of pipe, I don't want to fall off that ladder. Like those things are much, those, those dangers are much more real and 
and something I can wrap my head around. Mm. Um, and if you're, if you're too busy being afraid of something that, um, you have no control over, it kind of it takes your eye off the ball with the things that you're actually doing that could hurt you immediately. Yes. Um, so, so yeah, I just didn't really worry about it. That, that's a fascinating insight. Uh, I like that. It reminds me similarly to what I saw on the streets with the homeless community is that they were not worried about the pandemic. <laughs> no, they are worried about people, you know, shooting at them or throwing bottles, throwing glass bottles. I saw that numerous times. They're trying to get shelter, you know, whatever, trying to stay warm, trying to eat, you know. So yeah, and I, I, really I understand think, that. I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I think. Um, what I remember reading is that the the uh, the deaths and severe severe COVID stuff uh, didn't hit the homeless community that hard. You're the right; they, were, they didn't catch extreme. it as much. Yeah, yeah, which is interesting. Or or maybe they did, and it's masked behind overdoses and all sorts. Of, I mean, who knows? Yeah, they're probably less likely to go get tested. They're less likely to go get care, right? So who knows? Is right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, being outside, that's a, such a touchy subject. I think we're rounding a corner on it though. Uh, we're, we're, coming to, <laughs> we're, we're getting to a point where we can talk about it more openly. I have very strong opinions on, on the pandemic, but yeah. I like, I like my, I like my platform. <laughs> tell, me, tell me about all your opinions, Eric. Come on. Uh, I mean, I'll say this. I think that they lied to us. I think that they, they utilized it to re to gain control and, uh, to make a lot of drastic changes in the same way that they utilize a lot of emergencies to change laws. And uh, I think that uh, we're seeing some facts come out about what the implications of using a, a treatment that was still in like its early stages and uh, perhaps we shouldn't have been so aggressive about about mandating and enforcing it on people i got it and thank god i'm okay after what i'm reading and what i'm seeing and this is not conspiratorial there this is fact uh i am grateful to be okay after taking that <laughs> i you know i i think that uh, everything you said is, is all very very possible i do um my my thoughts have always been slightly less cynical um a little more well, I think what I was telling people, as far as my opinion uh, from the get-go, was that the COVID response um, is exactly what happens when you have a combination of three factors. You have uh, stupid people, scared <laughs> people, and lawyers. And you put those three together and all sorts of terrible things begin to happen. It's just a breakdown. Yeah. Well, I mean, to their credit, it, it was very new. You know, it's not something we've experienced in our lifetime. And so, you know, I understand why things went haywire and why people lost their shit, you know. But, um, and I learned a lot from it myself, too. But, yeah, anyways, I'm glad that we're coming out of it. California just ended their emergency, their state of emergency the other day. Finally. What was, what was the emergency? Oh, COVID. <laughs> Sorry, man. I live in Arizona. We've been it's been the wild west out here from the beginning. Yeah, man. Everybody, 
I live in I live in Trump country now. Yeah, man. Yeah, I <laughs> I talked to I know you're friends with Rachel Suck Lab. She's like, what were you? What'd you guys call that thing again that y'all were doing in California? But we never did it here. Oh, lockdowns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Guy, I uh, you know, there's a lot of people. You know, like I was saying, you know, I, I work in construction, and it was kind of, I'll say this, it was very fascinating. And I, I'm not going to say what was the right approach and what wasn't, but uh, it was very fascinating to see the dynamic of like a family that was terrified of COVID and taking all the, in their minds, the necessary precautions. And then people who weren't scared of COVID and, and in fact were, were thwarting whatever the government said. Um, it was very interesting to see how content and happy one was versus the other <clears throat> the people that were terrified of it were terrified of it mm -hmm. they were terrified of their own family their own friends mm -hmm. um they were terrified of themselves you know they didn't want to be somebody who, who gave a disease to somebody else um but they but they also did not have family time and didn't have any way to to uh um kind of get rid of all that nervous energy you know, and so I think yeah. it, they had a lot of problems that manifested from that, you know, whether it's your kids not going to school and then suffering because of that or or uh, just a lack of, you know, humans are social creatures. And uh, I don't care who you are, if you're uh, you're not around for a long time, it's going to have negative effects on, you, you know. Yeah, well, I think the implications of that are really kind of still unfolding and will be unfolding for years to come and we will see that and it, it to some degree I, I blame the media for that but um yeah i i totally understand why people were fearful and i respect whatever approach you did decide to take that's another thing too is that there it was so polarizing that it was like either you're with us or against us kind of thing and that was never really my view um you're frozen huh are you yeah you're frozen I was saying it's such a polarizing time um, and I totally understand why people were fearful and I respect whatever approach you did decide to use. Uh, and uh, I, there was a, this energy that was so strong. It was like us versus them. And, you know, only my opinion's right. And that, that certainly was never my stance. I was pretty neutral on, on everything. Like if you wanted to mask up, yeah. you didn't want to mask up. I, I don't give a shit. You know, you do whatever you want to do. Whatever makes you feel comfortable. Yeah. Right? totally um and, and it's my sad son, to see how many people get sucked into one yeah. side or the other yeah and everybody goes to iamright.com uh-huh back up all their arguments um my son so from the very get-go I, I have a 14 year old son and uh from the very get-go i just told him no matter what dude just don't be afraid of this everything's gonna be okay we got this and i Maybe a year in, um, there was a big outbreak at my son's school, mm -hmm. and uh, a whole bunch of his friends got po tested positive. And I get I have a schedule with my uh, son's mother, and we do a week on week off. And in fact, I get him back today at five, and it'll have until next Sunday. Anyways, nice. I got him back right when we found out that everybody tested positive, and so. Um, I decided to do, you know, what I thought was the right thing. And, you know, so we stayed home for a week, yeah. um, since we were both exposed. Um, anyways, 
I remember uh, when he told me that, and then I got a letter from, or not a letter, a call from school. Um, I remember just laughing and going, dude, we're going to get COVID together. It's going to be the two of us, man. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> and, and I just tried to keep a positive yeah, outlook yeah. and you know, no reason to be worried about it. We, yeah. we take care of ourselves. We, we're super healthy. We got this. And uh, what else can you do, man? There's, there's no reason to live in fear. And I would, I would do the same if I got diagnosed with cancer tomorrow and as terrible as that would be. And, uh, you know, yeah, I don't know I if that's that. the right approach or not, but yeah, that's my approach. No, I, I think there's some, some power to you. You're taking the power away from it, whatever it may be. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I would imagine that that attitude actually would be beneficial in recovery too. And, uh, you know, like recovery hasn't, hasn't always been this like really miserable thing for me. You know, it's like, I, I try to really have it be lighthearted and, and kind of normalize it, you know, so totally understand that, man. Uh, I want to move on and, and close out, but I want to ask about like, what else do you like to do in your spare time? Cause I know, I feel like we have a lot of similarities in that. Uh, we like to spend time outside and I see you like at the river all the time or a creek. Like what else do you like yeah. to do besides for garden? Well, um, I play music, play oh, nice. guitar and write music. Um, that's cool. it's not particularly good, but that's, that's probably my favorite hobby, but it comes and goes. Mm. Oddly enough, I usually only write music when I'm sad. That's when it comes out. And that's kind of my way of dealing with, uh, grief or melancholy or nostalgia. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I do a lot of running and working out being up in the mountains, a lot of hiking, a lot of backpacking. Um, when we have water at our local canyons and water holes, uh, we, we go out and go kayaking or cliff jumping. And, yeah. yeah, I saw your, I saw a video of your son jumping off of a rock one time and you were like cheering and stuff. And I think that, that that's awesome, man. You seem like, like, like that's a important thing to you, fatherhood, and you're real present you with him. What? I'm very torn and you're probably going to be torn along these same lines too, I would think, which is that I, I don't know what the correct way to parent is. I, well, I don't think anybody does, yeah. but uh, in, in, uh, in this particular aspect of uh, uh, do I pump my kid full of technology and have him embrace where we're going mm-hmm. or do I keep him rooted in the past so that he can understand where we came from. Um, but I feel like if I do that too much, then I'm like keeping him away from where the world's going. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a constant battle. That, that is a constant battle that I have. Um, but I, I try to, I try to get him outside as much as possible and embrace suffering as much as possible. Kind of, put aside the convenience and comfort of modern life to try to learn who we is because our modern life and all the comforts, it's a, it's a, it's very distracting. It's very hard to get to the core of who you are, to get to, uh, to find any kind of self-discipline, self-reflection, self-awareness. Yeah. I totally went off on a tangent. I no, I, I, I loved it. <laughs> I loved that tangent. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, 
like a little mini crisis that I, f- I feel like a lot of parents are facing right now because we at least I, I know you're a little bit older than me but like we didn't always have the internet and we didn't certainly didn't always have social media and um, to some degree it's like such a significant part of their lives now and a significant part of our lives and uh you're frozen but I was saying that I face uh, that similar to you and I think uh, many parents face now with its huge technological era and um as I get older, I start to find that more and more I want to go back to the old ways. More and more I want to be in nature and go back to our roots. And I wish I had learned some of the things that I'm learning now, um, you know, like identifying plants in nature nearby or edible mushrooms. I want to learn how to hunt, all these things that have kind of been forgotten in our society, right? And uh, I want my kids to grow up that way and and to have that. Um, and to some degree, like, you're, you're it sounds like you don't want to shelter them. Because I remember being a kid telling me not to do something made me want to do it more, right? And if something was like taboo and um, there's got to be like a balance and harmony to that, I'm sure that we can find and that you're finding is like a little bit of both worlds, right? And um, I I certainly don't want my kid on social media before 14, you know? I think that that's like something that that I want to be rigid about. Um, I just don't think it's good for you. My son still has a flip phone. See, okay, that's that's the way to go, bro. And he hates it. I bet he does, but it's, it's for his own good. <laughs> yeah, he's not missing anything. He ain't missing anything. You want to go on social media, log on like we used to. Remember when you used to have to go on the computer to go on MySpace? You know, you had yeah. to be on a computer in order to even yeah. see social media. I, like I didn't that. have a cell phone until I was like 25 years old. Wow. Hey, let me ask you a question, Garrett. Yeah. In your sobriety, do you have a harder time with the highs or the lows? The lows, but the highs scare me. Highs scare me because I, I'm so used to when I get to the top of this metaphorical ladder that it gets ripped out from under me. Um, and the more I say that, the probably the more true it becomes. I shouldn't say it, but that's that's a pattern that I've noticed. Um uh, hmm. I, I'm apparently not allowed to to just stay happy. Um, and I, I don't think anybody experiences full pure bliss or happiness. But um, yeah, the, the lows tend to be really hard for me because like, and it's always when that ladder gets pulled out from under me because I'll be building this foundation and this metaphorical house and everything is good. And I, I'm like my energy, especially, I think that energy is a big part of your question. Uh, it, like, if my energy's messed up, my head's messed up, everything's messed up, you know, and everything's out of whack and harmony. And so I kind of feed off how I'm feeling energetically every day. I I'm like almost maybe obsessive about it. You know, like if there's like a little bit of negativity, I'm like, where's that coming from? (laughs) You know, I'm like, protect, protect myself at all costs. Um, I don't like going in public for that reason. I try to stay away from people, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, lows for me are tough and uh, I tend to be like extroverted sometimes when I'm, when I'm in a low and mm. to a, to a fault, maybe I'll overshare or, and then I'll like, like question myself. Why did you say that on the internet? <laughs> almost like a like a manic episode of some sort yeah but it's like to cope i'll like 
overly indulge in social media. And uh, that's something that I've been, that I've kind of take real back lately. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I get suicidal and stuff, man. So lows are hard for me. Do, do, do you still? I haven't since I've moved. Uh, not I haven't had a single episode of suicidality, but leading up to it, yeah. Uh, right before I moved. Yeah. And ketamine treatment has helped me with that. Anytime I start feeling suicidal, I I put together 600 bucks and go get a ketamine injection. And it hmm. almost instantly snaps you right out of it. Yeah. You know, what's funny is, uh, well, I don't know if it's funny. No, it is funny. Um, ketamine, when I was younger, was like my favorite drug. Yeah. Um, I, I, I read about it somewhere. This is like almost like pre-nerd. I just, I don't know. I don't remember where I read about it. But uh, so I was fascinated by it. And what I used to do is I'd sneak down to Mexico and get ketamine. This was <laughs> um, and then, you know, I didn't go to like some therapy session. Right, right, I right. I was just like, okay, so I'd take a beer cap and uh-huh. I'd pour some out of the vial and then I'd chug it. And <laughs> I'd, be, I'd, I'd, I'd be out and about or I'd be in my room and that was my ketamine therapy. And yeah. uh, uh, I had like multiple out-of-body experiences and yes. was just fascinated with it. Um, it changed... It was like a, it was like an introduction into the world of psychedelics. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember reading a news report, you know, three or four or five years ago that they were going to start using ketamine for medical, um, for medicinal reasons. And I just was like, yes, I knew it. I knew it this whole time. <laughs> I was on to something. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I get a kick out of like, uh, yeah, I wish, I wish it was. I don't know. I don't know. It's a toss up, but I wish it was more available for people. I wish it didn't cost $600 or $900 or yeah. some, some vast amount that, uh, especially people who are in poverty. I truly believe, I truly believe that psychedelics are a way. They're not the way. They're just one of many. Uh, but they are a way for people to get in touch with their with a spiritual sense of self. Yes. Um, and I think with whether it's homeless people or addicts, they often are the same. Um, and and even people who are uh, people who are polarized these days on yeah. one side or the other, just they're so sure that they're right. Yeah. And because they're so sure that they're right, anything that happens in the face of that is wrong. Yeah. You're absolutely right, man. At the very least, if you're not like a, if you don't uh, identify with spirituality, it, it can at least get you in touch with like your higher self, your more authentic self. If you don't want to look at it in that way, uh, it can just make you a better person, right? And, and more open-minded and open your heart, more kind and more compassionate. And that's why I'm grateful that I started those so young is that I feel like that was always kind of a part of me was to be more compassionate. I had times where I was like radically liberal though. And like, was like screaming off the top of the cliffs, but I was young, you know, and uh, now I'm a little bit more sensible when it comes to politics, but um, I think you're right about the polarization. And I think to some degree that's like narcissism. Narcissism was on the rise in our, in our, in our society. I just listened to this podcast about it the other day, like extreme narcissism is growing rapidly as you can see with the influencers, <laughs> you know, and, uh, 
all the the, the selfie holics and stuff like that. But uh, I think that to some degree, you thinking that your perspective is the only correct way is a narcissistic trait, and uh, psychedelics can help with that for sure. They certainly can, and and it's like they have a built-in safety mechanism. So, like with with uh, your typical drugs, whether it's like alcohol or uh, um, I don't put weed into that category, but alcohol, yeah. uppers and downers, they have this uh, they have this price of admission. It's like a, a hidden sneaky price, which mm-hmm. is that you get to feel really good, and because you get to feel really good, it it makes you uh, not pay attention to the price, and the price comes afterwards. That yeah. crash comes afterwards. Um, with psychedelics or with sacred plants in particular, um, the price of admission is like before and during. Yeah. And so, and that's it. If you, if you do work before, then you get to enjoy the ride and it'll be very kind to you. If you don't do the work before, then your ride's going to be bumpy, maybe even go straight downhill and you'll have to pay that price in the moment. But when it's done and you come out of it going like, Oh my God, I'm so happy to be alive. I'm so happy I'm still here. Right. Uh, And so people who are addicted or have addictive traits or people who are narcissistic or have giant egos, Mm -hmm. there's this built in safety mechanism that, that you can't necessarily abuse these. I'm sure somebody out there can figure out a way to abuse them. Sure. But, but uh, the general, I think generally speaking, it's very, very difficult to abuse sacred plants. Uh, they'll make you pay for it if you try, you know? Yeah, man. They catapult you into a a better you. That's for sure. Um, man, this has been a beautiful conversation. I'm sorry for all the glitches, dude, but I think I'll be able to clean it up. No problem. I, I've i come to a, a point where I, I've had to do this a lot <laughs> to clean up, clean up little glitches and stuff. So, um, I'm really appreciative of your time. I'm grateful to have had this conversation to be podcasting with you, Jim. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. I, I wish I was more, uh, uh, I, I wish I was more entertaining. Typically I'm more, uh, making jokes and laughing a whole lot more, but I was trying to keep my composure. That's okay. Well, I think we had a great time, man, and people will enjoy it. People are eager to hear another podcast because it's been so long. And look, oh, not anymore. For a second, my backdrop wasn't washed out. (laughs) But anyways, uh, love you, man. Thanks for doing this. All right, man. Love you too, buddy. And uh, yeah, talk to you again soon. Yeah, we'll do this again sometime too, for sure. All right, brother. Well, you have a beautiful Sunday. You too. CAC Tucson, everyone. If everyone could please like, review, and subscribe to the podcast and hit that share button, we would both appreciate that greatly. Bye.